Hello and welcome to the Unorganized and Lost podcast, where we prove you don't always have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. I'm your host, Michelle, and this podcast is going to be a little different than normal. I have a high school history teacher here with me, and we're going to do a Dear Teachers. We're going to break down 2020 and 2021 and basically what the school year looked like um, within a pandemic because I feel like there was a lot of misunderstanding that apparently teachers didn't work. If you are friends with a teacher, you know that the complete opposite happened. So I have Jenna Beal here today. Hey. (laughs) And I am so excited to kind of break down a lot of different things that have happened to her or friends that we know that are teachers or other people. And I had people actually writing questions. And so we're just going to kind of break down the school year, which... Thank God it's summer because she probably wouldn't have done this a week ago. (laughs) Probably not. But I'm super excited to be here. I love the podcast and I was very grateful when you reached out because I do feel like um, through a lot of this year that teachers voices have been drowned out by the rest of the noise of what was happening in the world. And so I think it's it's great to hear it straight from a teacher. And I'm sure a lot of other teachers are going to be like, I'm right there with you. Yeah, definitely. Because I know I know, I know some people who said they didn't really know any teachers and they didn't know what they had to deal with and everything like that. So I'm excited to kind of yeah. break it down. You luckily put a nice post on Facebook for me. So now I have a nice little outline of things that have happened this year to you. Um, so basically, I'm going to have you kind of explain. Um, so basically, the whole thing is that we're clearing up the confusion. <laughs> Yes. And um, so why don't you explain to me the different learning modules you guys had to deal with and the different models of learning or teaching, I guess, you had to do this year? Yeah. So each district, um, you know, we're in California, but each district in California handled the pandemic differently. Um, I would say that they're each governed by a board and then the board, along with the teachers associations, come together and they try to figure out kind of what's best for teachers, what's best for kids. Um, And so that's one of the reasons why it looks so different depending on where you were. So we're in El Dorado County. Um, That's the, the county that my school district is in. And we technically just in general, like we're a little more rural. We had a lot less um, COVID cases, I think, than a lot of other counties um, just because of kind of where we are and how spread out everyone is. Um, And so I think one of the misconceptions is that like everyone was online this year, like kids didn't go to school this year or why, you know, there's a lot of questions between, well, why did some kids get to go to school and why did some kids not get to go to school, Um, you know? I, I've heard so many things and I've seen so many posts online about that, like teachers didn't want to go back to work, um, that we, you know, liked sitting in our pajamas teaching at home. And I just think that's like the furthest thing from the truth. Like, I don't know any, I literally don't know a single teacher. And I know a lot of teachers, um, who would say that they would rather teach online or from home than be in person with kids. Like it's not, that's not what we signed up for. So this year, in my specific district, we taught three different learning modules. So we taught completely online, which would have been, um, all on zoom kids log in every single day. Um, you know, our classes were about 40 minutes, but in some districts they're longer and some they're shorter. Um, but we were fully online for about two and a half months. Um, and it was actually the hardest teaching I've ever done in my life. Like no direction. We had like, online classes to figure out how to work zoom but like everything i've ever learned as a teacher is how to teach kids in your classroom we weren't in my classroom 
right? So that, and that was in the middle of the pandemic, right? So it was in the middle of the semester. Yeah. Or the beginning of the pandemic, middle of the semester, right? Well, it would have been... So actually, weirdly enough, this is a whole nother story. But um, when the pandemic first happened in March mm-hmm. of 2020, I was actually working for a school in Sac County. So Sacramento County. So I was at a completely different school than I was at this school year. Um, and in that in that case, we were actually the district I worked for was the first district to shut down completely. Like we left on Friday from school like we have the weekend off and we're coming back Monday and it's a normal week. And on Sunday, we've got an email that said no one can come back on campus. I had nothing from my classroom. Our kids didn't have computers. They didn't have internet at home. Like we, we, our school, they just like literally shut down so that they could figure out what was going on. And I think that's where actually a lot of the misconception comes from because when school shut down, like guys, we don't have like a plan for a pandemic like no one was anticipating this happening and so when everything shut down it was just like well what do we do and they were like teachers students hold tight we're working on it at the district level we got to get kids computers we got to get kids internet at their houses we got to get them textbooks like and we have to keep kids safe right and so you know at that point I wasn't working Uh, There was a couple weeks where like the district was like, you can't do anything because we don't know what's going to happen. We don't know if we're reopening up after spring break. Like this was like the I feel like it was like the twilight zone. Like it was it was crazy. Uh, And we didn't go back for the rest of the semester. So we did start teaching online. We did start doing Zoom by the end of the year um, just to try to like get kids like some consistency. But that was like incredibly difficult because kids have been going to school their whole life and then to switch it up on them and be like just kidding you can sit in your pajamas at your house on a computer and do school with all of your siblings and your parents yep and a lot of times those a lot of parents you know were still working and so a lot of our students were actually at home with their siblings all trying to use the wi-fi all trying to zoom into their classes some of the older kids are trying to help their their little brothers and sisters log into zoom and teach them right they the kids are logging in they don't understand the lesson because they don't know how to learn through zoom just like teachers didn't know how to teach through zoom and so everyone's a hot mess but doing the best that they can right we don't know when we're going back to school we don't know if we're going back to school um you know a lot of the older teachers really struggled with technology and just how it all works because they're they just haven't done as much training they're a little like less 21st century like some of the newer teachers and i really felt for them like I love technology and it's one of the things I think that has like saved my sanity this year because I actually like using all that and I like learning how to like some I just I just feel for those teachers who were so blindsided and didn't even know where to start when it came to all that. Yeah, I think what's interesting about that portion, that's why I kind of wanted to like step back to the beginning of it all, because I feel like in that part people were pretty supportive of teachers yeah (laughs) um and basically had their back and basically was like oh my gosh i cannot believe what teachers have to deal with this is what they Mm. have to deal with with my child every day yeah god bless teachers and i feel like you guys were kind of getting praise a little bit in the beginning where it was like okay we're supporting teachers we're on their side yeah our kids are the worst yeah and oh my gosh i can't believe they do this for a job yeah I I, have to work and be with my kids and I think this is awful yeah we definitely I I do think that there was like a sense of kind of parents coming alongside of teachers and really supporting in the beginning but then there were others that weren't in really like weird ways like I feel like I'm not like a keyboard warrior or anything like that like I don't spend time really like 
really digging into like what people are posting or take, you know, you got to take everything with a grain of salt. But I remember this one time I had like logged in and I had seen this post by a very angry parent who basically was saying that like our district, the district that I was teaching in and the superintendent, like he didn't deserve his job. He didn't deserve to get paid for his job because he was sitting at home doing nothing. And this is like when the pandemic like first. So probably like two or three weeks into like everything being shut down. Um, and I like lost it. And I like, I feel like I'm like not that person, but I was so upset because, um, that week alone we had received as teachers, we had received emails at like two, three o'clock in the morning from our superintendent, basically saying that like he couldn't sleep and he was trying to figure things out. And there was like no solutions to a lot of the problems. And that like, he was like literally distraught over it because like, it's his job to make sure that things like run and work. And like, he was like, I don't eat, like, I don't even know how to help right now. Like, and I'm trying everything guys. I want you to know. And like, as teachers, like that's what we needed to hear. Like we needed to hear that he was doing everything he could, but he was, and I think like, that's a theme of this, like the whole entire school year is people doing everything they could and it's still not being enough. Yeah, definitely. Um, and so, and I like, I just was like, I was so sad for him because we had also watched a previous, um, board meeting that he was in and he was like explaining things that he was doing and he was literally in tears like this is a grown man like probably in his 50s like crying because he couldn't do what was best for kids because no one knew what to do yeah um and well, and again like you said not everyone had internet not everyone had computers so it wasn't like it was log into your computer and start like there was no yeah none of that exactly and it, it I mean it turns into an equity issue right because like yeah some kids had internet and some kids had computers but not every kid had a computer and not every kid had internet so how do you just like keep on teaching like oh well you know if you're rich enough to have those things then great you're gonna finish out the rest of the school year but if you're too poor like you don't get to and that's like that's everything we want to avoid, right? Like yeah. that's, it's, we are public education. Like we, we believe in making sure that all kids have access, you know, equal access to the same things. And so like there were weeks of us trying to figure out how to get kids the things they needed to help them succeed. Um, and again, you know, listening to comments like that, where like people just aren't doing enough, like you don't know, like from the outside, that's my, that might be what it seems like, but like from the inside, like that's not it at all. And yeah. I think that's been like the most frustrating part is that like people take, you know, a couple things that they've seen or heard and they make all these assumptions about it without actually like being on the inside and realizing what's actually happening. Yeah, definitely. So. Um, okay. So that was the end of that first semester. Yes. Now break down what this year looked like 2020 to 2021 yeah so I actually I got a new job <laughs> in the middle of a pandemic which by the way when I like applied and and got the job and all these things like we had we didn't know this was all going to happen um so some people say I'm crazy but I I didn't know when yeah, it all happened you got the job prior to so hitting, I right? technically we the pandemic had already started but I had applied for it like before yeah, yeah. um and then I did my interview process all through Zoom, like didn't get to meet anyone on campus, right. like accepted it while we were in the pandemic. But like at that point, we didn't know the extent of what like this next school year would look like. Like I remember yeah. when I said yes, I was like, great, I'm going to be like on campus with kids in the fall. Absolutely not. <laughs> um, we started the school year completely on Zoom. So that was like our first learning model was all what we would call distance learning, which is all Zoom model teaching, Google Classroom, all digital, like fully. Um, 
And that was about two and a half months. And then in October, we actually started our hybrid model. We were lucky enough that our numbers in our county were low enough to start bringing kids back to school. Um, but that in itself was a hot mess. Like the amount of planning that we had to do, the amount of cleaning that had to be done, the amount of scheduling that had to be done, the amount of like prepping classrooms, like removing desks because we couldn't have too many desks in the classroom because we needed kids spaced out like more, you know, what about the kids who have, you know, people at home who, you know, are high risk. Yeah, are high risk. Like, what do we do with those kids? Because we don't want to put them at risk. Like, but we have a lot of kids who are living with nobody with high risk and those kids we want to come back if they can. And so, you know, we were lucky enough to be able to move to that hybrid model, but a lot of campuses weren't. Um, and I don't blame those, you know, those campuses, those teachers, the, the admin for not being able to like do that. And I know that like, that was a big frustration is like, well, if the schools in El Dorado County are doing it, why can't the schools in Sacramento do it? But the reality is every campus has different resources. You know, they have, there was different levels of comfort zone, even with teachers coming back, right? Like yeah. we have teachers who are high risk. Like, so if they're not comfortable coming back, what happens to them? Do they lose their job? Like, absolutely not. Like we can't, yeah. you know? And so it like the amount of like complicated issues that people made seem like they were like so simple, like yeah, so just, just come back, like just come back. Like yeah. it's fine. Like wear a mask. And it's like, yeah, but like we have, you know, cancer survivors who are in remission who are teaching. Like, yeah. so they just have to come back. Like yeah. they didn't sign up to be a frontline worker. Yeah. Or, you know, brand new moms with like babies at home. Like I just, it's so much more complicated, I think, than anyone like made it to be. And that's what was also really frustrating is listening to people talk about it. Like all of these problems had such simple solutions, but they yeah. didn't. Like they just didn't. Yeah. Um, and then we were lucky enough in April to actually go back full time, which is just crazy because there's not a lot of schools, especially in California that got to do that. Um, but our district was on top of it and we proved, um, through contact tracing, um, during the hybrid model that we were really keeping kids safe at school. Um, you know, if they were getting it through contact tracing, they typically were not getting it at school. It was very rare for a kid to be exposed to COVID at school. Um, which is awesome. Um, and so coming back full time, like I actually think the kids had a harder, like the teachers were ready. We were like, bring them all back. Like, yeah, we're so excited to have all the kids in the classroom. We're so excited to teach the way we've been taught yeah. to teach and the Definitely. way that we know how to teach. Um, but the kids had a really hard time adjusting to that because in our district, the hybrid model looked like they were at school two days a week and they were at home three days a week. And the days that they were at home, they were school days, but they were not zooming into class. They were mostly doing independent work or like homework style learning um, because the other half of the kids were at school with the teachers. Um, and so coming back and having to like be on going from like two days on campus to five days on campus when they hadn't done that for an entire year was a big adjustment for them too. I bet. Yeah. Especially, oh gosh, poor seniors and actually all of them. I, all of them it had to be so hard. Yeah. So what did um i laugh because i honestly i don't even know how you did this but how was lesson planning mm -hmm. because as a teacher especially in history you can have lesson plans already built and you can you don't have to change too much other than like making it more updated but for the most part it's history yeah so what did that look like having to read because i know this but you had to redo everything yeah completely so 
I would say that like in, in most subjects, especially if you're like a veteran teacher, like you kind of have like a course plan, a lesson plan that, you know, doesn't change a whole lot. So every year you might be tweaking stuff to make it better. You might be adding things, you know, to, to build onto it, but you have kind of a base model. And because of the three different learning model modules, you know, I taught two units completely hybrid, which I've never done. So every single one of those lessons had to be re-scripted and reworked to work on Zoom. And, you know, and you can't just like, okay, I have a, I have a 30 minute lecture on the French Revolution. I can't just lecture to high school kids on Zoom for 30 minutes. Like that's not going to work. Like yeah. they are going to play video games. They are going to sleep. You know, <laughs> they are going to completely check out. They're going to make TikToks of me giving, like you just don't like... <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, taking lessons that you would normally do and like having to make them work for Zoom was, I mean, it was nearly impossible. Like, was it doable? Yes. Did we do our best? Yes. Was it enough? Probably not. And that was like, I think the most frustrating part about lesson planning is we're spending as teachers this year, we were spending more time than ever developing lessons that were engaging and worked for our English language learners and worked for our kids on IEP and all of these things. And yet still feeling like none of these lessons were good enough Yeah, because it wasn't our best. It might've been our best for teaching on zoom and trying to figure this out, but it wasn't our best as teachers. Like yeah. that lesson in a classroom setting would have been a hundred times better. The kids would have gotten more out of it. And so it's like, it was, it felt like no matter what we did on the lesson plan at the end of the day, you still failed as a teacher. Cause it wasn't your best. Yeah. Um, and so, I mean, it was important. And then you move to the hybrid model. And one of the hardest things in the hybrid model is I get, you know, I got half my kids on Tuesday and the other half on Wednesday. So I was teaching, you know, all these lessons on Tuesday. And then I had to redo all the same lessons on Wednesday. So by the end of the, the, the second day of hybrid, you've, you've taught your lesson six, seven times, you know, yeah. six times if you have a class of three uh, or three classes of one. And it was literally like, am I going crazy? Did I already say that? Like, did like asking kids, like, did, did I, did we learn that yet? <laughs> uh, and then them like looking at me, like, I don't know what you're talking about. Like, um, and so that was like impossible too, of just like teaching the same lessons, like two days in a row, like is, it's, it's just so hard. Yeah. Well, and the other thing that's crazy too, going off of that is once you guys went back or even when you're in hybrid, you had to deal with the, the quarantine issue. Oh yeah. So there was the issue with, um, if one kid got COVID, like if the six kids around them in each class were gone for yeah. two weeks or so, something like that, right? Yeah. So when we first came back to the hybrid model where kids were actually like on campus, you know, we were asked to spread kids out as much as we possibly like possibly could in our classrooms. Um, so depending on, you know, the size of your classroom and how many kids you had, it, it changed for each teacher. And so what would end up happening is if a kid tests positive for COVID um, or even anyone in their family tested positive for COVID or someone wow. they were like in close contact with, um, anybody who sat within six feet of that student in class would also have to quarantine for two weeks. Um, and at that point, testing wasn't where it is today. So it wasn't like, oh, like you have been, you know, secondhand exposed. If you get a COVID test and it's negative, you can come back. At that point, it was just like an automatic two weeks at home. Done. Automatically. 
two weeks, you're at home. So now as a teacher, you know, depending on how my classroom is set up, I could have anywhere from, you know, one to eight kids quarantined if one kid is exposed or has it. Yeah. And so, and now those kids are all at home. So now I'm dealing with my quarantined kids, my kids in my classroom, and then the kids at home on the off days because of the hybrid system. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I can't take care of anything. I couldn't organize that well. It, I mean, it like, and I feel like I'm like okay, really type yeah, this A. This is unorganized and, really, and lost. <laughs> and I'm, I like, I'm misorganized, um, yeah. which is why I laughed when you asked me to do your podcast. I was like, I'm the opposite of unorganized. But like this entire year has been completely unorganized, no matter how much organizing you did. Like, yeah. Because uh, like, again, I could plan the most perfect lesson. I'm like, great. I have, you know, 16 kids in this class. It's going to be great. I'm going to put, eight, you know, eight groups three kids in what like whatever it is like you plan it all out and then the next day you could come in and they're like just kidding seven teen or seven kids quarantine like they're they're out they're gonna be gone for two weeks and you're like wow <laughs> all the planning out the window like guess we're starting from scratch great uh like and that's I mean that's how so many teachers days were yeah. of just like again extra time planning like trying to figure out the details of all this and then it literally just being like nope You're not going to get to do that today. Change of plans. And I think um, going off of the planning also, I feel like that's such a misconception that teachers work their nine to five and then they go home and they're done. Especially during this pandemic. Yeah, no, that I mean, I've every time we switched um, to a new like learning model, you know, the nights got longer, the weekends had more stuff that came home with them. um, All of those things, you know, and at, at this point too, like, I've, I've had to communicate with parents and kids more this year than ever before, because so much gets lost in emails and, you know, messages through our like school messaging system and all this stuff, you know, Google classroom. And so, you know, I'm answering emails, which I've in the past, like, you know, my end of my school day, like I don't answer emails after the end of the school day. Like I'm coming in the next day. I'll answer them when I come back to work. Like there's kind of been this like, you know, work-life balance. You can't just take your work home with you all the time, but this year it's like, but you have to like, and I know some teachers might tell you that's really unhealthy. Like you can't take work home with you like that. But the truth was, is that it felt like one of the only things I could do to help support kids. Yeah. Um, so I'm answering emails at 9 PM at night because kids are working on something that's due, you know, at midnight or whatever. And they're like really struggling and like in a normal year I'd be like it's fine I'll just talk to them tomorrow but this year I was like no I like they're not going to see me tomorrow because it's a hybrid system so they're not going to see me for two days and so yeah (laughs) it's like frustrating just thinking about I know (laughs) I'm should have a good thing I did this at the beginning of summer (laughs) yeah now you have the rest of summer to not think about it Uh, that's not true that's all she'll think about Um, so I guess the next thing is to kind of describe what you're going to do this summer because I know a lot of people think oh teachers are just going to go on their merry mm. way and not think twice about what's going to happen but the, the pandemic's still happening yeah and as much as you guys ended the year in, in school I mean at this point things could change and you might still have the quarantine system you just don't know yeah and so I feel like how are you kind of preparing for that So, and I would say like every teacher is different with the amount of like work-life balance they have. I would say that the pandemic has made that shift a lot harder. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, typically in a summer on the last day of school, you know, you lock your doors, you unplug your mini fridges and, you know, you spend a lot of your summer 
relaxing and recouping for the next year. Um, I know a lot of teachers usually spend like the week before school kind of prepping for things, you know, that are going to happen. I also know a lot of teachers, you know, go away and do, you know, seminars and, and what we would call like professional development or like getting extra units to bump up their pay scale, like all these awesome things. Um, I can't imagine a lot of teachers are doing a lot of that this summer since like everyone's just so toast right now. Yeah. Um, but I know like I like I'm spending an entire week doing AP training because I'm going to be teaching AP next year. Yeah. Um, we have more kids than ever who failed classes this year. Um, wow. And I would assume that that's probably pretty true for a lot of the schools, especially the schools who stayed in um, a, a longer distance learning model than even we did. Um, and so we have a ton of teachers teaching summer school. Wow. Like more than ever because more like our students needed needed that. And, you know, we do a thing at our school called intercession where it allows kids who are kind of like right on the cusp of passing um, to do like a, another week of school um, to get their grades up to passing. I actually ran that program at our school in December mm. for what like our between our like winter intercession. So between first and second semester, because we had so many kids who yeah. needed to make up those credits. Um, and but in terms of like getting ready for next year, like we don't know what next year looks like. Like as yeah. much as I would love to say like, well, we ended school not on a non like fully in person, fully with all of our kids, which is awesome. So that must mean in August, that's what it's going to look like. But if this year has taught me anything, it's that you can't, you can't think like that. Like yeah. we could have another outbreak. Like we just don't know. And yeah. so like why spend weeks and weeks and weeks planning to do all these great things with your kids in class when like the reality is like we could be back on distance learning. Yeah. Um, you know, I think in our district, it's a, it's a slimmer chance because, you know, we've been, we've been even just hybrid since October. So it's, you know, I think, I think our district has done a really good job keeping kids safe at school, but you know, we, we still don't know. Yeah. So in terms of prepping for the year, catch me in August, <laughs> starting to think about it because I'm not planning nothing until then. I don't blame you. So another thing that you had mentioned is that, um, the mental breakdowns and like even taking care of kids, we're, we're going to get to your mental health in a hot <laughs> second, but to kids, mental health. Cause I yeah. know you had to step up as more of like a counselor and kind of almost therapist for some of these kids that we're going through, I mean, what everyone else was kind of going through, but probably in different states and different, yeah. different um, mindsets and stuff or different home life. Yeah. I know for some kids, um, especially like when I was going to high school, high school was an escape. High school yeah. was like almost a safe spot to get away from their family. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, I can't even imagine what that had to be like for some kids to have to be home all the time with siblings and mm -hmm. parents or unhealthy relationships. Yeah. I think, you know, when I was teaching at my school in Sacramento, um, that like, and this all first like kicked off, that was a huge concern was like the, the physical and mental health of these students, like for so many of my students at that school, school was a safe place. School was a place where they got fed two meals a day. They had breakfast and lunch, right? Cause they're on the meal program at school where they get, you know, free food, um, for our kids with abusive parents or, you know, just, you, you just never know what kids are experiencing at home. And so yeah. to take away a place like school, um, where they are being taken care of, where they have adults who care about them, where they can see their friends. Um, and then to say like, just kidding, you're staying at home now all the time. You can't leave. You're not even allowed to go to your friend's house. Cause you have to be quarantined, like with your family. Um, 
it was scary. If I mean, if I'm being honest, like yeah. I just wanted to like individually reach out to every kid and be like, if you need me, I'm here. But it's like, but how much can I be here? Yeah. Right. And, you know, and for I, the safety of them, too, because there's a pandemic. One hundred percent. And I think most teachers, you know, get into this because we love kids like don't get me wrong. I like history. History is cool. I love that I get to teach history, but I love kids. Like I love my students. Like they become a part of me. Like almost every single teacher you ever talk to talk to will refer to their students as my kids. They're yeah. my kids. They're my kids. They're, I know they're not my kids, but they are my kids. Yeah. And when this, you know, when everything shut down, that was like a lot of teachers, our first like concern, it wasn't the school piece. Like if a kid's miss a couple months of school, like they're going to like academically, we're going to figure it out. Like yeah. we can fill in gaps, but like mentally and emotionally and, and physically, like a lot can happen in that time. Yeah. Um, but then the mental breakdowns that like came after that, cause I feel like that was the point where like kids were really struggling. You know, a lot of kids downloaded TikTok and started like kind of having like an escape in their life to like do all these things yet, you know, how, emotionally supportive is that yeah you know and I cannot tell you I cannot tell you how many emails I've received from students this year who were just struggling like I like kids who were normally like straight A students who are getting C's and D's because they just can't figure out how to motivate themselves to get up in the morning to sit on a computer to listen to teachers they've never met in person you know and yeah. and to be taught in that way like that they've never been taught in like yeah. it's just they never had to sit in one spot for that long ever. because no. you you would sit in class but then you'd get up and walk yeah and you kind of forget how big of how helpful it is to get up and walk they literally teach us that at work get up and walk around yeah and they literally have kids walk around and have to go to their next class and you don't have that anymore and i think one of the things that was really frustrating was listening to you know adults talk about these kids like well it's school. They just need to figure it out. They just need to do it. You know, they just need to be more mature. Right. But we're, so now we're asking kids to act like adults. Yeah. Like they, they're not adults. Like they don't, especially like the younger you get, right. Like I teach high school, but I can't even imagine middle schoolers yeah. who are home trying to do school, which they don't want to do. They don't have parents at home because their parents are working yeah. like and they're like, oh, well, the parents should be, you know, taking away their phones. And it's like, OK, so they're going to find something else to spend there. Like you can't just take away phones and expect them to go to school. Like, yeah, it was just so frustrating listening to people like basically talk about kids like they should be acting like adults, but they're not adults and they don't have those skills and they don't have, you know, there's so much about brain development that I'm not even going to get into, but they they don't have the ability at that age yeah. to make decisions about their future when they can't even see that yeah like they can't see what that how that's going to affect their future like literally that part of their brain has not fully developed yet yeah right and so you know that piece i i had kids who were supposed to take ap classes because they like school they're going to good colleges who had to drop their ap classes because they like just mentally couldn't handle it yeah in a normal year, they could have. And now I think about like, well, how is that going to affect their future? Because these are the kids who were taking AP classes because they wanted to go to schools like UCLA and Stanford and, you know, who knows. But because of the pandemic, they had to drop those classes 
Now those classes aren't on the transcript. Now their GPA is not high enough. Now they don't have enough AP classes and now they're not going to get to go to the school that they want to go to. Yeah. You know, and I keep, I hear people say all the time, well, if they really wanted to do it, they would have figured it out. Well, and the other thing is too, is that it's, it's not like they make it sound like all these kids had their own desk with their own laptop and their own quiet space away from their siblings. I know so many people who had all of their children, multiple children at mm -hmm. home in different grades trying to do school. Yeah. I know kids who had to help their younger siblings get logged in because they didn't know how to do it. They yep. had to help their siblings because their parents were in Zoom calls. Yeah. And there's so much more of a dynamic happening at home than people were giving credit to for these students and even these parents or even these teachers. Yeah. And I mean, I'm in a job where all of a sudden the high ups are doing meetings and all of a sudden there's children running around and that just yep. became kind of normal but then people didn't give children that benefit of the doubt which yeah. I find insane yeah and I really do I feel like most teachers were right in line with that like I, I totally feel like teachers were super sympathetic and really understood in a lot of sense that like kids were doing the best that they could with the situation that they were given um, I'm sure that there were some who not, aren't like, there's always outliers, but I felt like it was like more like, again, keyboard warriors, like people online, like just not understanding. And it's again, making, making really complicated situations seem like they weren't complicated. Yeah. Like it's not comp just sit at your computer and do your work. Like, how did you do this year with your mental health and kind of figuring out what was your outlet? Did you ever find one? <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I think I got, I got really lucky, um, in a lot of ways, you know, I'm 30 years old. Um, my husband and I kept both of our jobs through the pandemic. Never once, you know, did we, were we worried about that, which was really nice. There are so many families who weren't able to hold on to their jobs. Um, and so, you know, and money, I feel like is one of the number one stresses in America, yeah. probably in the world. Right. And so we got really lucky in that sense. I also don't have kids. So, you know, I'm not locked down in a house with toddlers trying to figure out how to keep them busy. You know, I wasn't at home trying to teach my students while also trying to help my kids log into their Zooms. But I know so many teachers who are doing that. Like, yeah. how do you as a teacher, you know, you're at home, you have I know teachers who have four or five kids and their kids are also on zoom during the day trying to learn and they're trying to teach their classes and their husbands, you know, in the back room trying to do his work. And like, I just, I can't even imagine. And so I would say like mentally, because I don't have kids and money never became like a huge problem. You know, I would say that I was able to keep that part of my mental health, like really healthy. Mm -hmm. I think I was able to slow down a lot this year in a lot of ways. Um, I bought a horse, um, which has been a huge outlet in my life of just really like slowing down and like doing something I'm really passionate about. But there were also like more days than not that I came home from work. So defeated, yeah. like, man, I spent so much time planning this lesson. I spent so much time thinking through all this and it just totally fell apart because of things that were completely out of my control, but it still feels bad. Like, you know, as teachers, we work really hard to make sure that our kids are getting the best education possible. You know, we, we want them to want to come to school. We want them to feel like our class is a safe space. But the reality was, is there were students who, no matter how cl clean our classrooms were, no matter how many masks are worn or whatever, like didn't feel comfortable coming to school or, you know, I 
like the kids who lost family members to COVID. You know, we have a girl at our school who lost, she lost her grandma. She lost her uncle. She lost her dad, like within days. Like I, I can't even imagine. And then knowing those things are happening and that you can't do anything about it. I mean, like they're obviously like you can support her and give her resources and all these things, but it just like none of nothing ever feels like enough. And, you know, I think that that's kind of a common thing with teachers is we often feel like we're not giving our students enough, but this has just exacerbated it to like a whole new level of just feeling insecure about what we're doing because it's, it's not what the kids need or like, I, I mean, I could go on and on about just coming home and feeling disappointed in yeah. so many things that are just not even close to being in your control. So, yeah. One thing I thought, so on your little post that on your little post, it was a long post, but on your <laughs> thing, you did a great job of explaining. And you said, um, we have been on the front lines of holding this nation's youth together one school mm-hmm. day at a time. And I thought that was so beautiful because it's so true. Like you guys have these, <laughs> these kids that are about to be adults in your hands and you're teaching them and you're trying to guide them in the right direction. And I think that you guys do not get enough credit for that, especially in this pandemic. So I think that, thank you. I'd like to thank you as a teacher. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. I mean, and this is not to dismiss our frontline workers. Like, Oh, not uh, you at know, all. absolutely I, not. <laughs> I could not have more, you know, appreciation for them. Um, but I do think that in, in a way, especially now, not as much in the beginning, but now we're seeing a lot more people, a lot less appreciative of what teachers have been through this year. Yeah. And again, that's not discounting anyone else and what they've been through. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, been a, it's been a hard year, yeah. like, almost a year and a half now. I think the biggest thing is it's not, not getting enough credit. It's the hate that makes no sense. That's, you know that's what I mean? True. I think that's more the issue. It's not that, oh, teachers aren't getting enough credit or teachers are not getting enough. Like, Trust me, there's other people, like you said, there's so many things going on, but the hate coming towards teachers yeah. is mind blowing to me. When I feel like a lot of the hate comes from a place of misunderstanding, like yeah. it's just like, and it's, it's not that they're not educated in life enough, but they're not educated in what we're doing. Like they're just so far removed from it that like they're only getting little pieces and then they're making wild assumptions and getting mad about those assumptions when they're just, they, you just don't have all the details. Like ask somebody like I dare I dare anyone who's listening to this podcast to take a teacher to coffee if you're comfortable with it um and and ask them like I guarantee that their hearts and their stories are so similar to mine because I sat with teachers all year and talked to them through these things and I just like it's the same for all of us like it's been really hard but none of us would ever quit because of it. I mean, I know that there are teachers who have retired early, um, just due to this really, this, it felt like four years. It didn't feel like a year. Um, you know, I know teachers who, because of their situations at home, like they couldn't keep teaching because they do have family members at home with, you know, high risk. And so, you know, they didn't feel comfortable. Like, I know those things are happening, but like this year has been harder than ever but the teachers, we are more invested than ever. Yeah. Like we are more invested into our kids. We're more invested into technology. We're more resilient, like all of these things. And we still love our jobs. That's amazing. Hardest year ever. Still love my job. Um, and so I think that's another thing is that like, I kept hearing that like, teachers don't want to come to school. 
They don't want to be with kids. They're at home. They're being lazy. They're going on vacation. Like uh, that one blew my mind. Like, oh, they were supposed to be on Zoom this week, but instead they're on vacation. I don't know a single single teacher who took a vacation on a day, like a school day this year. Yeah. Um, I taught five days a week for the entire year. Yeah. I didn't have, there were no like, oh, well, this week we're just going to have off for fun. Like, yeah. here's your homework assignments. Like, I'm going to Zion. Like, absolutely not. Yeah. Um, and I don't know where that came from. <laughs> so I, I, was asked, I don't know where that, but I, but I like, those are things that I've seen on social media that yeah. I'm just like, I just, I, I don't understand yeah. where people's mindsets you know are Maybe coming. they deserve to go to Zion. So <laughs> sign me up. Right. But in summer. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I had some people ask some questions online. Yes. On the interweb. I love questions. And so I think we answered some of these, but might as well just do some quick breakdowns of them. So one of them was, what did you find students need the most throughout 2020? Support. Um, support, encouragement, um, and grace. I was actually, I would put grace on top. Um, you know, I think teachers, we needed a lot of grace um and i feel like a lot of times the more grace we received the more grace we gave yeah um i think kids needed to know that we were there to support them and we would do whatever it took to help them but if they couldn't do it if so if their internet went down because that happens all the time not to mention we're in california and pg and e likes to shut off power whenever possible um you know, that teachers were going to extend that grace and help them figure out how to be successful. Right. Cause that, I mean, that is our goal. Yeah. Our goal is to help kids achieve their goals Yeah, when they're unorganized and lost, you help them. Yeah. So definitely grace at the top. Awesome. Okay. What if any improved as a result of teaching in 2020? Ooh, um, technology. Um, I have, I've always been a huge fan of technology in classrooms not that i think it's the only thing like I, trust me like don't sign me up for online teaching for the rest of my life yeah um but i do think that like you know in 2020 2021 like our kids are more tech savvy than a lot of the teachers yeah. and so i think this year has allowed us to learn a lot of new programs to help engage kids that's um, interesting it's allowed our students to also develop great like digital literacy like they're better with digital media and everything now than they were before and so are we and that's yeah. i mean i think that's the trajectory of the world at this yeah, point definitely. like we are moving into a more digital age and so i do think that all of that digital literacy is going to be it's going to be huge i think kids are going to need it in college like we're going to need it moving forward as educators and so that's yeah but that might be the only one <laughs> Um, what were the biggest challenges you faced? I guess we kind of answered them all, but everything. Yeah. Every, I mean, everything. I think um, teaching is, is not an easy profession. Yeah. Uh, any, any teacher you ask, will they will never tell you that their job is easy. They will tell you they love it and that they wouldn't give it up for the world, but they will never say it's easy. Um, between just everything we have to juggle as teachers and i i could spend 45 more minutes describing all those but i think like the biggest struggles is that like those things that are already hard were harder yeah right like teaching yeah. english language learners who 
you know, are, have just moved here from Vietnam who don't speak English, but you don't have a special class for those kids. So those kids are sitting in your normal classes trying to figure out what the heck you're saying. And they just got to go to the bathroom. Like, like, like that's in a normal year, that's hard. So now add that those students are now at home on zoom and they can't even like describe anything to you because they don't even know what's going on. So like, a lot of the issues that are already issues became bigger issues because of the pandemic. Wow. That's fascinating. Um, so I think we already touched on this, but is there anything else that um, teachers had to go through that most people didn't know that if that we didn't top, like touch on that you can think of? Um, I mean, we didn't talk about the fact that teachers also throughout the school year got COVID. Um, that's, that's so like so I actually am one of those people my husband and I both got COVID in the middle of the school year um but as a teacher so I'm I'm sick at home and I did get sick luckily I was okay um I didn't experience a lot of the really harsh symptoms that a lot of other people did but I was still sick at home but I'm lesson planning I'm teaching to my kids in my classroom and I'm teaching to kids who are at home and I'm teaching to quarantine kids and I'm also quarantined Um, and I'm sick. So, you know, sure you can bring in a substitute teacher and say, good luck, teach them something. But most teachers would never do that. You know, I don't want, especially if I'm quarantined for two weeks, like I don't want those two weeks to be a waste. I don't want my kids coming to my classroom and being like, well, Miss Beal's here. So we're just not going to learn today. Like, so I'm writing lesson plans and I'm creating engaging things. I'm on the phone with the sub who is with my students, talking them through how to do everything. Like, and like, I know I'm not the only person who got like the only teacher who got COVID this year. Then I'm worried, you know, the, the mental stress of that, of like, did any of my kids get it from me? Like we wear masks, we're as safe as we can be, but we don't know how this thing spreads exactly. Like, I mean, we do, but we like, we don't. And so then I'm like, what if my kids get sick? What if my, what if a kid gets sick and dies? Like, I like not to be morbid, but like, how do you not think about those things? And I think like, fear from that in itself was mentally draining. There were days that, you know, especially when I, when I first found out I had COVID, you know, it was, it was hard to get off of the couch, let alone figure out how to create lesson plans. And, and I know I'm not the only teacher who had to deal with that this year too. Yeah. Okay. So this one we kind of touched on too, but they asked, how did you balance providing guidance and stability to kids when everything felt uncertain? That's a great question. Um, I think in my, in my class, and I can't speak for other teachers, although I'm sure some did this as well. I tried to create as much consistency as possible in terms of when things are due, the types of activities we're doing, um, you know, creating a lot of what we would call like in our classrooms, we call them classroom norms, you know, in a, in my classroom, students come in, they have a warm up. you know, the agenda is on the board for them so that they can see what we're doing, you know, you know, the supplies they need to take out are on the board. All of these things are normal in a classroom, but when you're online, when you're on zoom, right, how do you communicate that to them? So I know a lot of teachers utilize, like I would have like a, like a PowerPoint pulled up when the kids logged into Zoom and it would have their warm up question and it would have the agenda and like all of these things that you're trying to create consistency in the kids' lives so that they're not thrown any more curveballs. Like their whole year was a curveball. So how yeah. do, you know, in our costumes, how do we create enough consistency to where kids, when they show up, they know the expectations. They're clear about what we're doing in class that day. Like 
you know, they know how to reach out to me if they need help. Like I have office hours, they can either do them on zoom. They can do them after school. Like it's, I think a lot of teachers just worked really hard in a normal year. We work really hard at that. But again, in this sense, we're working twice as hard, creating that consistency, um, just to allow them to like really grasp like what they need to do. Very, yeah. very clear expectations of like how to be successful in the class. Wow. I knew a lot of this and I'm still stunned. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for doing this with me, one. But two, do you have anything else you want to like tell the listeners about teachers or even two teachers or about teachers or thanks i mean thanks for bringing me on of I, course. I, I feel like i talk a lot so um i apologize if your podcast is no, all my voice amazing. but um that's the point of it i would say to anyone listening you know if you know a teacher in your life um thank them um if they drink bring them a bottle of wine <laughs> like michelle did uh for me and um you know, when you see things online or, or maybe you're a poster on, of online things, you know, I think one of the issues that I'm seeing just in this age is people having really big opinions about things they don't know enough about. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a great lesson actually in general for social media and everything going on is take a second. If you see something posted about somebody or some group, take a second, maybe take a person like that out to lunch. Yeah, that's actually a great life lesson. I love this. I I mean, I would totally agree. I think one of the things that I see a lot in, I see it in my students, I see it in my friends, I see it in, you know, people on social media is, is without all the facts, their emotions take over and they post things that are hurtful because they're not always true because they don't have all the facts. And so I think understanding that everything you see online whether it's literally the news media or it's friends or family of yours like everything needs to be taken with a grain of salt and when something doesn't make sense or you don't understand something instead of just assuming the worst ask ask questions like yeah. that i would say that the number one thing that i have learned through the last year and a half of this whole pandemic is to listen more yeah i'm you know i think teachers we have big personalities a lot of the times we have big opinions about things but i have learned to slow down and listen so much because i don't know everything and yeah. i don't know your experiences and i don't know these kids experiences and i don't know what's happening in india you know and so i think us being able to be better listeners and actually like listening to understand, not listening to disagree with, which yeah. I think a lot of times happens. Yeah. It's why things are so polarized right now in this country. And I think in the world, yeah. but like really listening to understand, and it doesn't even mean you need to agree, Yeah. but at least you're listening. Yeah. And listening to, like you said, have some grace and understanding that everyone's unorganized and lost and everyone's trying to figure yes. it out and be nicer to people. Yeah. Be kind, <laughs> y'all, especially to teachers. <laughs> well, thank you so much for, for coming on the podcast. And I want to have everybody subscribe and like the thing. You can follow Jenna Beal. She's famous on TikTok now. Oh, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, and unorganized and lost is proving you don't have to be organized to follow your dreams and getting lost isn't always a bad thing. It's a little fun, actually. <laughs> okay thanks jenna you're Bye. welcome